to a close. Um, this has been a very bittersweet year for the Davis family. Oh, the day after Christmas, my precious mother, 86 years old, uh, they, do, they would have been married 67 years, New Year's Eve, 67 years. She went to be with the Lord. Dad went with my brother to Florida. I don't blame him. <laughs> uh, he has gained about 15 or 20 pounds. He's doing real well. His strength is returning. June 8th, we said goodbye to Angel. And then December 20th, my best friend in the whole world um, died of, of uh, stage 4 cancer. Uh, all of them live life well. All of them left a legacy. All of them were celebrated, and we we'll have memories of them forever. And uh, But I'm kind of glad 2017 is over. I'm glad 2018 is upon us. And uh, you asked me what I'll be doing New Year's Eve. I'll be doing the same thing I've done the past five to ten years. New Year's Eve, I will be asleep. I will be asleep, and Pastor Ron may wake me up for the ball. She may. Uh, I saw I saw today that with television and everything going on, uh, almost one billion people will watch the ball fall uh, tonight in uh, New York City. And I got to thinking about there's a day coming when the ball's going to drop, and God's going to tell Jesus, "Go get your people." What a day that will be when he resurrects us out of this mortal into immortality. The dead in Christ need about a six-foot head start, so they will rise first. And then we will gather together to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And it's with that promise, Titus 2 and 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is going to return suddenly like a thief in the night. And those that are watching, watching for him and waiting for him are going to be caught up. And that is a day that could very possibly take place in 2018. It very possibly could take place. As far as Bible prophecy is concerned, most Bible scholars believe that in Matthew 24, 14, where it says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto all nations for witness, and then shall the end come. That prophecy has been fulfilled in our lifetime. Uh, satellite television, satellite gospel TV has literally touched 197 countries of the world. The Bible didn't say everyone would hear, but the Bible said that every nation would hear. And uh, so that prophecy has been fulfilled. The only prophecy I believe uh, left to be fulfilled is a worldwide revival. The word says that there shall be many multitude in the valid decision, the day of the Lord. And uh, however, that's just the way that, that I interpret Scripture. Uh, he could come in the next 10 minutes. He could come whenever he wants, and, and we're, we're watching and waiting for him. I looked at some, uh, some, some previous years, and uh, I'll be honest with you. I made all these up. I don't know how accurate they are. But we're always trying to put a theme to a year. We're always trying to put a theme to a year. So I wrote down some themes. My glasses. Oh, no, they're broken. Oh, they're healed. <laughs> the first miracle of 2018. I can see. I, I can see. Um, I did uh, Victory is One in 2001, Jesus and Me in 2003, 
Glory and More in 2004. Heaven Can't Wait 2008. Feeling Fine in 2009. And I made this up. Jesus is seen in 2018. Jesus is seen. Isn't that a good, isn't that a good thought, a good thing to press into the new year? Ecclesiastes 3 tells us to everything there is a season and a purpose to everything under heaven. And this morning for a few minutes, I'd like to talk just a little bit about the power of potential, the power of potential. My text is taken from Judges, the sixth chapter. There are two chapters of the Bible that tell the story of Gideon. Uh, most of you know the story that Israel had been in gross disobedience and God had allowed the Midianites to capture Israel. They had uh, ravaged the land. They had plundered the spoil. Uh, the Bible says that there was nothing left. There was not an ox. There was not a goat. There was not a sheep. There was no crops. They had literally raped the land and destroyed the land. And uh, this story brings us to Judges, the sixth chapter, and the 11th verse. And I'd like just to read a few verses this morning. Uh, simply because I can see. I have a big lettered Bible. I've got 275 glasses. I'm set to read. Verse 11. Then came an angel of the Lord, and we believe this was the pre-incarnate Christ before he's manifest in the flesh, and sat under an oak tree, which was in Oprah, that pertained to Joash, the Abizite, and his son Gideon, threshing wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. The wine press, most of you know, was a big uh, stone cauldron where they would put the grapes in and then the ladies would pull up their, their uh, knickers and they would stomp the grapes and they would turn it into juice. And in the shadow of this wine press, Gideon had a field or a plot of beans and he's protecting the beans. He's watching over the beans to keep the uh, Mennonites from taking them as they'd already taken everything else. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And this is certainly a text that we have visited several times in the past several years. But Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And wherefore all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt, but now the Lord hath forsaken us? And delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And as I look at the mindset of Gideon, I realize that Gideon had never experienced a miracle, but had heard of miracles. And I want to encourage you this year that I believe that not just hearing of miracles and God doing things, I'm, I'm believing we're going to see some miracles this, this year. I believe some, some prodigals are going to come home. I believe, I believe that there's about to be a shaking and I believe that many are going to turn toward the things of God. And I'm looking forward to 2018 being a year of harvest and a year of we see our prayers answered. And we see God do things he has promised to do, beginning with the healing of Nicole's back to those who are in prison, to those that desperately need a touch from God, a move of God. We have a very dear friend that has spent 16 years incarcerated for something that he did not do and has spent thousands of dollars on lawyers, and all appeals have been exhausted. There's nothing, there's nothing left for him to appeal, and uh, he has a 47-year uh, sentence, and will probably die in prison unless God divinely intervenes. I'd like to see that happen in 2018. 
I'd like to see all of those. As I mentioned earlier, this is the first year in 63 years that I not spend Christmas with my mom and dad. I'd like to see some healing take place, some restoration take place, some things happen. I just want to prophetically speak that over 2018, that we are going to scratch some things off some lists because God has answered that prayer. Every day, Pastor Rhonda and I, she does it literally. I do it mentally. Every day I create a list of things I would like to accomplish that day. Every day, Facebook texts, I'm getting, I think I got probably 20 texts yesterday, people asking me for prayer, needing a miracle, needing God to do something. And it's fun to go through your list and begin to scratch things off because you don't have to pray for that anymore because God has done that. I know Leah had a list. It's been long. It's, it's been for years and years. But this year, she doesn't have to pray for God give me a man because God has given her a man. And so that is definitely a blessing of 2018 that we step into this. And, and Austin's prayer has been answered because he, too, has been praying, God, Help me never get married. Let me be single the rest of my life. And God has answered that prayer. Not the answer that he thought he was going to get, but God blessed him with Leah. Now, he likes that. He likes that plan better than his plan. How many can relate that God sometimes just spoils us? Uh, is that Abigail? What a joy to have you home, darling. Headed back to school. What a joy. And, and Gail, I know you are pleased to have the girls uh, with you this year. But uh, it's neat sometimes when you realize that God has answered a prayer and that gives you courage to pray for another one. But Gideon had never seen a miracle. He'd never seen the hand of God move. All he saw was the land was in trouble. In, in Judges 16 and 11, it says that every man did that which was right in their own sight. That was the condition of the church. It was not in a good condition. It was not healthy. And when I think about that, every man did that which was right in his own sight. I realized that this past year, over one half, which is a lot, of our nation voted for a president that approves of abortion, approves of same-sex marriage, approves of transgender, all, the, all, all of that, that half of the United States voted for a president that supports all that, which tells us we are in dire straits. I mean, this is a crazy place for us to be that one nation under God, this nation was birthed because of a group of people that were oppressed by a, the spirit of religion left England and came to America and found a place where they could worship God freely. That's how our nation was established, almost 200, 300, how many years? 1776, 1876, 1976, help me, 200, 200 and, yeah, good, thank you, I, I bowed to that, that answer, that's a good answer. But for that long, this nation has pursued the things of God. Our money says in God we trust. We pledge allegiance to the flag. But now we are part of a nation that seems to be anti-God, anti-Christ. And that's a scary place to be. And I believe that it, it lets us realize the temperature of America, that America needs God. America needs revival. And if America needs God, America needs revival, the ones that are probably going to take that revival and that miracle is going to be us, the church. And the church has ever responded, the church has ever stepped out where it needs to step out. I believe this is the season and this is the generation. Do I have a friend in the house? Gideon finds himself in a place where many of us have been. He's discouraged, he's frustrated, he's tired, he's frightened, he's depressed. 
the old cliche, broke, busted, and disgusted. That's exactly where he is. He's at a place where he feels like that God has abandoned him. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're at a place where you feel like, I'm praying to walls of brass. My prayers are, aren't leaving the, the ceiling that I'm under, and I'm not hearing from God, and I really need some things to happen in my life. If that's where you're at, then this message today is probably for you. Because Gideon found himself in a place where he's hiding, he's in trepidation. And so Gideon asked God for a sign. And we all know the story of the fleece, but there was a sign that God gave Gideon before the fleas, and Gideon baked, baked a cake, and he sacrificed a lamb, a kid, and he laid it on the altar, and the Bible says that fire ignited Gideon's offering, and God responded to Gideon through fire. And uh, if ever the church just needed that fire that we talked about at Pentecost, that fire that set upon each one of them, that they moved in boldness, and Peter got up and spoke, and 5,000 were saved. The next day, through a miracle, 3,000 were saved. In one day, 8,000 people came to know the Lord, that we could experience that fire again, that fire would, would burn in us. We used to sing a song when we were younger, and uh, the song's not really spiritual, but we sang it anyway. It said, let us burn out for thee, dear Lord. Let us burn out. How many ever heard that song? Let us, three of us. Okay, four of us. Uh, God doesn't want us to burn out, but it was a good thought. It was a good, let us catch on fire, because you notice anything on fire always catches what's next to it on fire. Did you notice that? The Bible says there are three things that are never satisfied and one of those is a fire that cannot be quenched. A fire, it doesn't matter what you put on the fire, it will continue to burn. And that something would happen here at Harvest that we would be caught up, not necessarily in a three- or four-week revival where every night we come and we praise, we worship, and we bring a guest in. And we've done that before, and we've seen God move in great and mighty ways. But there would be a fire in my heart, in my spirit, that I would realize there are people that I love and care about that they are dying and going to hell. We begin to die the moment we're born. There are people in my life that I'm in fellowship with, that I'm in com communication with, that if I don't touch them or we don't touch them or something touches them, there's a very good possibility that they could spend eternity in hell. And Jesus talked about eternity more than any other writer of the Bible. He talked about hell more than any other writer of the Bible. And we've learned if there's a heaven to gain, then there's a hell to shun. Do I have a friend in the house? And we don't want anybody we love. And, and you know, we, we don't really want anybody we don't care about to go to hell. Nobody would want that sentence placed upon them. But you could be the only person that could touch them to change the, the course of their direction to turn them back to the things of God. What a great testimony it would be for 12 months from today that you would be able to stand and say, this year I led this one to the Lord. I led this one to the Lord. I prayed with this one. This one got a breakthrough. This one got a miracle. This one got their marriage restored. This one got their body healed. Wouldn't that, would that not be a great legacy 12 months from now that we would approach this year with the attitude of, I'm going to burn for God, and there's going to be a fire that's going to consume the sacrifice, and I'm going to see God turn some things around. Do I have a friend in the house with me? If you'll notice in verse, um, I've got six... 11 through 16, but I want to go on to 624.
Maybe I don't want to go to 624. Oh, here we go. I want to go to I want to go to 636. And Gideon said unto the Lord, If thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if it do be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. So Gideon gets up early in the morning. He put a fleeces out the night before, and the fleece is so wet, he squeezes it and gets a bowl of water, and the ground around the fleece is dry. But that didn't seem to please Gideon because in verse 39, and Gideon said unto the Lord, Let not thy anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it be dry upon the fleece and upon the ground. Let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on the ground. And I made a couple of notes there concerning the, concerning the fleece. The first time the fleece was wet, the ground was dry. God can change you to be what you need to be and do what you need to do in the days ahead. He can change that. The next day, the ground is wet, the fleece is dry. God can change the environment you're in so that you can do what God wants you to do and what God has called you to do. There's a very good possibility that the environment that's around you may not be a healthy environment. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips, and the people I'm hanging with are unclean lips. I'm hanging with people that aren't saying the right thing. I'm not saying the right thing. It's kind of crazy when you get with people that want to focus on God and the things of God. It rubs off. It's contagious, and it gets on you. Uh, Gene and his family's not here today. They had a whole bunch of things happen yesterday. But God placed Gene in a, in a place of, where he was a mechanic, and within just a few months, Gene had three or four mechanics coming to church because they were so impacted by his testimony and by the miracle of his life and what God had done for him. Oh, that God would impact our lives to such a degree with favor and blessing that people would want to be around us, and when they're around us, they change. They stop speaking what they're speaking, and they start speaking what you're speaking. So either way, God can change the environment or God can change you, but God can make a change and God can make a difference that will bless you. Gideon goes on to select men for this great battle, and when he gets ready to go to battle, God said, there's too many. I, I don't need all of these. Take the men to water, and the men that lay down and drink the water like a dog, ignore those, but those that bend their knee and drink water on their knee, choose those. And, of course, there's all kinds of thoughts that have been interjected there, but I believe God was looking for men that were on the alert, that were watching that were waiting, that were prepared, that want to be involved in battle. And I don't, I don't want to be like the guy that lays down and misses the move of God. Is there a, I have a friend in the house. I don't want to lay down and enjoy the blessings of God and miss the move of God. I want to be on my knee, hopefully in prayer, waiting to respond to whatever God has for me. Does that, does that help anybody in the house? I, I, I wrote down here on my notes, I said, God is not looking for a package. God is looking for a purpose. God is not looking for, you know what, you can get it all right, and you can wear designer clothes, and you can wear designer eyelashes, and you can carry a designer purse that costs $800, that anybody to pay $800 for a purse is beside me. I'll, I'll spend $800 on a deer rifle gladly, but not for, 
Hello, do I have a, a friend in the house that can, that can relate? But, you know, we, we want to get packaged and we want to look right and talk right and, and feel right and feel like that we fit in and, and we're going with the flow and, 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 and we're, we're apart. But God's not looking for the package. God is looking for a purpose. And when I think about purposes, I think about some of the props that I brought this morning. And the first thing that I, I brought this morning is a flashlight. And this is a great flashlight. This really is a great flashlight. God wants you to be the light of the world. God wants your light. The Bible says, so let your light shine before men that they would, per, they would pursue the light and not pursue the darkness. And for me to be the light of the world, then that means that something inside of me has got to change. My priorities in life have got to change. I need to love what God loves. I need to hate what God hates. And I need to realize that God wants to use me. God's not using angels. God's not, God's not using signs and wonders. God is using people to make a difference in the life that we live. And most of us came to the Lord because somebody or something influenced us because we saw something that we did not have, and they had what we wanted, and we pursued that and found the things of God. And thank God for that, and thank God that you can be that, that light in a dark place. You don't laugh at the jokes. You don't, you don't respond to the world, but you set apart your different, and people notice things that are different. Do I have a friend in the house? People see that difference, and they get jealous. They say, well, they're not on drugs. They're not high. Why are they so happy? Why are they so content? They don't make any more money than I do. They don't drive a car better than me. They don't live in a house nicer than me because we've learned that we're not the package. We're the purpose. We're not the package, we're the purpose. And then I think about these nails. This is a box of nails. And I thought about nails, and I think about once or twice a year where we symbolically will take things that are disqualifying us and take things that are discrediting us and we'll take things that are hurting us and harming us, and we symbolically will nail them to the cross as if we're saying we're giving Jesus all of our junk, we're giving him all of our hurts, all of our frustrations, and I think it's important every once in a while to take a self-inventory and the things that are disqualifying you and the things that are burdening you and the things that are eating at you and wearing you out. You need to try to separate yourself from those things if you need to get a picture and you need to write that thing that's hurting you on a piece of paper and you nail it to the cross or you throw it in the fire or you crumble it up or whatever you do, you distance yourself from it. I promise you, Lemuel Miller taught me a long time ago World Karate Champion 1972, the only man to ever defeat Chuck Norris in competition, has a Christian Karate Association, black belt, sixth or seventh degree. Lemuel taught me this, and Hank, if you'll make the effort, God will bless the effort. If you'll make, if you'll, if you'll make some, kind of, some kind of move to change or to be what God wants you to be, God will honor that, and God will follow up, and God will bring that into your life. And how powerful is that? Then I think about this tape measure. This tape measure, someone gave me. It's broken. Yeah, it's still broken. It had a battery. And it would go way out. I was going to try to touch Pastor Rhonda with it today. But lo and behold, that is not going to be happening. There is a, there is a mark. There is a place that we're pursuing. It's a process called sanctification. When they sanctify instruments, either by heat or by alcohol, they purge those instruments so that they can be used for surgery. It, I've been, I've been, I grew up in the church, first 18 years of my life. I was a preacher's kid. I played 
church music. I, I was involved in the church. I, I loved church from the age of 18 to 24. I kind of did my own thing, got, a, got away from all that. But now I'm at a place where I've been serving the Lord longer than I serve the enemy. And every day we get stronger. Every day we become more like what God wants us to be, that time is our friend, that every day is, there's a song we say, it gets sweeter, richer, fuller, deeper. It gets sweeter as the days go by. And your relationship with the Lord should get sweeter, should get more precious, and you realize that God is requiring, requiring more of yourself than you're requiring of yourself. Is that crazy? Because we sell ourselves short, we disqualify ourselves, we say, well, I've done this, I've done that, and we've learned the past few weeks that God knew there would be a bump in the road when he called you, but he still called you, and he's not sorry that he called you. And the potential in this house, there's enough potential in this house that if we were to step up to the place God wanted us to be, we could literally change this city. We could make a difference in this city. I promise you, you walk into a hospital room, and you lay, you lay hands on someone that was born blind, they've been blind their whole life, and all of a sudden they receive their sight, it'll cause a revival, it'll cause a stir, it'll start bringing people. People want to get around where there's miracles and there's signs and there's wonders, and if that's going, if that what God is going to use in the last days to draw people, then why not us? Why can't we press towards that, that mark that God has for us? And that's the other thing I've got here is an actual target. And uh, this is a pretty cool target. What happens when you, when you shoot this target, if you hit it, it's important that you hit it. If you shoot this target, whatever, whatever zone you're in, it will show that color. So if you're not a real good shot, it'll show like a, like a fluorescent orange. And if you're a little better shot, it'll show green. And if you're a real good shot like me, it'll show a, another orange. And then the center is purple. Well, I had some things happen the other day, I didn't fall, I didn't get hurt, but I bumped, my, I bumped my scope, I bumped my gun. So I went to sight my gun in, and the first time I sighted the gun, I shot the target, I completely missed the target. And so I got closer. And the second time, I hit the target. And the target was way over to the, to the right. And I said, there's got to be something wrong with this. So I got a little closer, and I actually hit, I've never hit the bullseye, I actually hit the bullseye. And the problem was not with the gun. The problem was not with the scope. It was with me. It was cold. And as I was aiming, I was shaking like this. And there was no telling where the bullet would. I could have hit one of you guys if you've been driving by Friday's Road. It's a miracle I didn't kill somebody. I guess, I guess the point is, and we made it so many times, one of my favorite movies with Mel Gibson. And, and when, they, when he takes his children to get his son back and they set up an ambush, he says four words. You remember them? Aim small, miss small. When you set goals this year, whatever your goal is going to be, when you set goals this year, don't set goals like, oh, God, let me save the world. Or, oh, God, let me win the lottery. I, I set, set goals that, that you can actually accomplish, goals you can actually acquire. Say one of your goals could be, Lord, let me learn to spend 15 minutes every morning just with you. If you take your first cup of coffee and get alone where nobody's at, and you just sat and listened, you'd be amazed at what God will say to you if you'll slow down long enough to listen. If your goal were to be like Pastor Rhonda, I'm going to read the Bible through in one year. There's, there's things you're going to ignore, obviously, 
You're going to ignore all the begots because they're not really, we don't think they're important and significant. And we're going to ignore uh, Leviticus. It talks about the law because we're not under the law anymore. So we kind of skip and choose. We, and and if, you, if you do that effectively, you can read the Bible through in a day. Just skip all the, just, just skip all the, just skip all the things you don't want us to read. Uh, Larry Lee told me that when they were in Bible school, uh, he actually shared this with us, that when they're in Bible school, they they, they read the red and prayed for power. They read the red, they read the words of Jesus and read, and then they prayed for power. Would it be something, though, if some of your goals this, week, this, this year would, would be, I really want to really learn the books of the Bible. I really want to learn some scripture. Like maybe I have a friend, Marcus Lamb. Marcus shared with me the other day. He still memorizes three to five scripture a day, still today been doing this that I know of for 40 years. 40 years ago, they called him the walking Bible. It's 6,000 scriptures committed to memory. And I don't know how many he has now, but now that he's he just turned 60, now that he's turned 60, he's still memorizing scripture every day. Maybe you don't see the importance of memorizing scripture, but Nicole's testimony this morning shared when things come against us, it's what in our heart, uh, the treasure of your heart is what the mouth speaks. And when she begins to speak, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the, the world. That's a scripture that I can do all things through Christ. When you start memorizing scripture like that and the enemy comes in like a flood, then God uses the standard of his word to defeat the enemy. And your words, if you're sharing God's words, have power and it will change the circumstances that you are in. I'm preaching better than you're nodding, but that's okay. And then I have this, uh, this is a real nice package. Isn't that pretty how, how nice that is? But in this package is a number two tre uh, uh, treble hook, which is probably uh, the, the, the most serious hook that you can make. Let me, tell you about, let me tell you about fishers of men. God has called us to be fishers of men. But you've got to have bait to catch a fish. Now, uh, I say this with experience and with confidence. I do not believe that there's a fish in the ocean that I cannot catch. I've caught a 300-pound halibut. I've caught a 16-foot tiger shark. Freshwater, I caught a 48-pound catfish. I, I caught a 60-pound salmon. Bass fishing, I've caught several bass over 10 pounds with a 10-pound bass as a trophy here in Tennessee. But I have, I have learned with the right tackle, I believe I can catch any fish in the ocean. And right now there's a fish that I'm after. It's a, it's a doctor. Uh, he went to the same school I went to a few years after I went. Uh, he lost his little daughter when she was two years old. Uh, he's very bitter. He's very cynical. He is a self-proclaimed atheist. His son got arrested, got convicted whether he did or did not do the crime. Uh, his wife died in the past nine months. And uh, every day, I've been, I haven't been saying stuff like, I'm praying for you because he doesn't believe in prayer. I'm not, say, I'm not saying stuff like, God's going to help you because he doesn't believe in God. But you learn to choose your words to touch his heart to know that you care and you, and you're, and you're feeling, you feel him and you're feeling with him and you're going through this together. I believe, Michael, there'll come a day when he will call, he has my phone number. I believe there'll come a day I send his son some money so in prison he could get some snacks. I believe that by those efforts, we show them how much we love them. The, the, the song says they will know that we are Christians by our love. 
not by our words, not by our bumper sticker, not by our mindset, but by the fact that we're actually trying to help those that are hurting. I believe there's going to come a day when Dr. Michael Taylor is going to turn around and he's going to reach out to the things of God, and then there will be those of us in, in his life. I've had three respond to me, my alumni, and said, Hank, I appreciate the way that you talk to, to Michael. I appreciate the way that, that you're not forcing your religion down. Well, he's not going to receive religion because he doesn't believe it. So the only way that's going to touch him is through his hurts and as he, begins, as he begins to see prayers that are being answered because I'm praying and I'm declaring them, then maybe it'll turn his heart away from atheism back towards the things of God. And I really don't, I really don't know that there really is a true blue atheist because if there really was a true blue atheist, they wouldn't spend years of their life trying to convince themselves there wasn't a God. Does that help anybody? I believe that in their heart of hearts, they know. But they're like, they're like Gideon. They're hurt. They're wounded. They're discouraged. They're depressed. They've heard about God, but God never worked a miracle for me. God didn't heal my daughter. God didn't save my wife. God let my... You understand that. And the enemy uses those circumstances to try to convince you that God doesn't care, that God's not there. That's not true. God is there. God cares. And God's answers are not always our answers, but God always answers. There's always an answer. He, does, he, he, he responds, he moves, and there will come a day, the song says, one day we'll know all about it. One day we'll understand why. I have uh, one more illustration. And uh, since Austin's been cleaning the church, I won't throw this cup. I was going to sew this, but I thought somebody had to pick it up. And it'll probably me because Austin would get mad because I made a mess because every time he goes in the kitchen, I either got fudge, homemade ice cream, or jerky. And Austin is so good. I'm telling you, Leah, you'll never have to do any housework. You'll never have to wash the dishes. He is, he is right there behind me. When I go in the kitchen, it looks like a, 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 a grenade went off, a, frag, a fragmented grenade. Things are missing. Things are blown up. Things are on the floor. Even the refrigerator looks terrible. But when Austin leaves, it's like it's a brand new world. I'm in a new world. All things have passed away. I mean, he is, the, he, is, uh, he is every wife's dream. I'm telling you, every wife's dream. And uh, we're going to also teach some classes on how to, how to become every wife's dream. And some of us guys will learn how to pick up the ball. Austin, you've raised the, you've raised the mark a little bit. You've messed, you've messed, you've messed this up here. Um, I wrote down. I wrote down a couple of uh, she'll expect that. Now you understand that, right? She'll expect him to do that. There are three things that you can pursue your potential if you want to write them down. The first thing is your time. Pastor Ron said something yesterday that um, made a lot of sense. Uh, we opened up uh, Christine, her first checking account, and somehow the, the Social Security number on the passport did not line up with her Social Security number, and so the bank called and said, "We got to shut the account down. We can't. Your your Social your Social Security number is not accurate." So Pastor Rhonda went on a mission, and that was to find her uh, Social Security number and her birth certificate. And after a couple hours of searching and and she told me she couldn't find it. She called Social Security. And it takes two weeks to get a new number, so Christine's account was going to be shut down. But that wasn't a big deal. We could have reopened it. It really wasn't. But it was important to Christine, so it was important to Rhonda. So lo and behold, uh, night before last, she found. 
she found the, the file that had everything in it. But then she said something like, well, that's four hours I'll never get back. And I got, I got to thinking about how much time do we waste and how much time do we, as we look back and realize that time was not very effective or that time was not very, how much time in the day? And Jesus said this, can you, can you just give me one hour? Of the 24 hours of the day, can you just give me one hour? One hour to what? To become a better disciple, to become a better person. Uh, I got into a, uh, a major, I don't use Facebook to argue or fuss, but there was a very unkind statement made uh, about Joel Osteen, and I decided that I was going to defend him and decided that I was going to uh, bring some things to their attention. And I've learned those are on a roll. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't care. They don't. They don't. They don't care. They don't. They don't. They don't anything. They don't. But I got to thinking about that hour that we can use: an hour watching Christian television, an hour reading a book, an hour hanging around somebody to 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 be mentored, to be blessed. Your time is very important. Matter of fact, it was time that brought the prodigal son home. If you got kids away from God, time will bring them home because they'll get tired of eating pig slop. And they may have to hit rock bottom like I did, but they're going to come home because that seed is planted in their heart and their spirit. And as you begin to spend that hour in prayer and spend that hour in intercession and spend that hour becoming what God has called you to be, then things happen. Things change. The second thing that you can invest is your talent, is your talent. Um, as I've been pastoring several years, uh, you, will, you will find out through the years that there are people that have talent that you didn't know about. Uh, several years ago, we learned of somebody that could do a hula hoop for two hours without stopping. Now, that's talent. Um, I learned yesterday that Alden, Gene's youngest son, can do the uh, pogo stick 107 times without stopping. Now, that's talent. And you say, well, why, what, what, what does my talent have to do with the things of God? God gives you five. God gives you three. God gives you one. God gives everyone in this building a talent, something they can do for the glory of God, whether it's helping with the soup kitchen, helping with the clothes pantry, whether it's missions, where it's going to jail, whether <coughs> getting involved in some of the things going on in the city, your talent is important. Your gift is important. What gave you, he gave it to you for a reason because nobody else can do it like you. You're the only, whether it's worship, whether it's prayer, intercession, you have a talent. The third thing I wrote down here is your tithe. Money answers all things. People say, well, and I dealt with this this week. So, well, tithe is Old Testament. Guess what? So is the Ten Commandments. So is, so is a, Psalms 23. So is Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord. Just because it's Old Testament doesn't mean we abandon it or we ignore it. Paul said on the first, first day of the week, bring your first fruits. Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Render to God the things that are God's. And as we allow that God, as we understand that God allows us to be trusted with 100% of income, and he asks for 10% to help fund the ministry and do things the ministry is supposed to be doing, God leaves that up to us and our faithfulness. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken his seed out begging for bread. I've never seen a tither go without a miracle. I've never seen a tither go without a breakthrough. That just something that God honors faithfulness, God honors consistency. I'm working with Christine right now on her tithe. She had a tithe on my net or she had a tithe on my gross. Well, which one do you want God to bless? I want God to bless my gross. 
If I, if I get a piece, pack of gum, I want to give a, a piece of gum away. I want to sow everything that I do in my life. I want to sow. I want to get seed in the ground because I can't grow anything if I don't have a seed in the ground. Am I, am I talking, am I speaking good now? When, as Pastor Rana said, when they, when they hand out the receipts this, this next month to show what we gave, I would like to see that amount, and I'd like to freak out. And I'd like to say, we gave that much to the church? That's a good feeling. Because here we are, after all the giving, we're healthy, we're clothed, there's gas in the car, there's food in the refrigerator, the electric works. I mean, we are a blessed people. God has been good to us, God's been faithful to us, and it's okay to be good and faithful to God. When I think about potential, I think about Abel having the ability to, to offer a sacrifice in the time of turmoil. I think about Enoch walking so close that he got so close to God that God said, come to my house. I think about Noah that had the potential. 500 years old, Noah confronts God and finds grace in God's sight. In 120 years, he builds an ark, and he puts his family on board, and for nine months it rains and the water rises, and the entire world is flooded. And he saves a generation. He saves a church. He saves a civilization because he obeyed God, the potential of Abraham. Being the, being the father of the nation. When I think about, I think about Jacob that, that said, you will be the church. And I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the potential to say, maybe you will throw us in, maybe you won't, but if you do, we, we're not going to bow. What kind of attitude is that that we need in the church today? That potential like Daniel to say, you know what? You can do whatever you want, but I'm not going to stop praying. I'm going to pray. Throw me in the den of lions. That's okay. If the lions eat me, that's fine. If the lions don't eat me, that's fine. I mean, with that kind of mindset and that kind of potential, there's nothing that we can't do for God. And I conclude this story. Told it several times. I'll probably tell it several times more. But uh, there was a very wealthy developer, and uh, he was quite a builder, and he was quite wealthy, and he'd done a lot of great stuff. And uh, one day he called his contractor. The contractor had been with him for years. Anything the de developer would dream, the contractor would build. He was a very good builder. They'd worked together for years. The developer told the contractor, I want you to go on a brand-new project. I want you to build me a house. I want you to build the nicest house you've ever built. I want, I want the best carpet. I want the best, I want the best paint. I want the best landscape. I want the best appliances. I want it large. I want it roomy. I want it central heat and air. I want nice crown molding. I want, I want tile. I want you to go out of your way. I want you to build me the nicest house you've ever built. Well, the contractor got the message and began the building, and in the building, he got bitter. He said, you know, all the years I've been working for this developer, all the stuff I've done for him, made him millions for God. He'd been paid well, too, for his services. Of all the stuff I've done for him, he's never built me a house. So I started the house, and, and his heart wasn't in it. He used cheap labor, cheap lumber, took shortcuts, didn't really put it together the way that, that, that he should have put it together, and got the house finished, and it wasn't all that great, but it was done. And he called the developer and said, hey, I'm, I've completed the project. Shirley said, it's, it's done. Your, your house is, is done. It's complete. You can come get the keys. And the developer said, no. He said, that's your house. All those years you served me and all that stuff you did for me, I wanted to bless you. Take the house. It's paid for. It's yours. How do you think that contractor felt? Can I build another one? <laughs> Let me burn this one to the ground and build 
Another one. I don't want to stand before God and, and be shown that I shortchanged God or I didn't do my best or I didn't give him everything that I had. I don't, I don't want to stand before God. I want to stand before God and hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over the little things. Now I'll make you ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And what a place to be on the day of resurrection that God would be happy with you and he would ask you to enter into his joy. Can we pray? A brand new year. I don't know that heaven acknowledges New Year's. I don't know that heaven acknowledges our calendars or our statements. But we know that you care about us.